Section 15 of The Romance of Polar Exploration. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio. InterfaceAudio.com. The Romance of Polar Exploration by G. Firth Scott. Chapter 12 italy claims the record for the first time in the history of their country the italians entered the field of arctic exploration in the year eighteen ninety nine when an expedition under the command of the duke of abruzzi sailed in the stella polare and by means of dogs and sledges carried the italian flag to higher latitudes than any other explorers had succeeded in reaching the record up to the time of this expedition was that set by nansen who with his companion johansen attained eighty six degrees fourteen minutes north the italians reached eighty six degrees thirty four minutes north or twenty geographical miles further north than the norwegians the scheme of operations under which the abruzzi expedition set out was to sail as far north as possible along some coastline establish winter quarters, and in the spring to travel by sledges towards the Pole. The expedition was composed of Italians and Norwegians, the men of the latter race being taken to navigate the ship, the leader wisely recognizing that inasmuch as Italians were not used to navigation in ice-bound seas, it would be hazardous to risk the safety of the whole expedition in the early stages of the journey by manning the vessel with them the sledge party who attained the highest latitude were all italians but the norwegians shared the honors won for without their assistance the sledge party would have had little chance of penetrating as far to the north as it did in fairness also to all other men who have striven so hard to unveil the secrets of the arctic it must be admitted that the italian success was based entirely on the knowledge gained by other nations. The scheme of a dash by sledges was the scheme that Peary had conceived and announced. The main depot of the Italians was that which had already been established at Cape Flora by the Jackson-Harmsworth expedition. The route taken by the sledge party was in the vicinity of the route Nansen and Johansen followed. The ship was Norwegian-built and Norwegian-manned, the men who set out for the dash to the pole had therefore all the hard work done for them yet with all these advantages they only reached twenty miles further an achievement not to be compared with that of nansen and johansen the expedition practically commenced its journey from archangel whence good progress was made to cape flora a food depot being established in the huts of the jackson harmsworth party which were found still standing intact after an ineffectual attempt to pass through nightingale sound the stella polare got out of the ice on august seventh and succeeded in reaching eighty two degrees four minutes north latitude in open water this was to the north of prince rudolph island as there were indications that the ice would soon be setting along the coast it was decided to sail to Teplitz Bay on Prince Rudolph Island and establish quarters for the winter. This bay is open towards the south and west, 
while the land on the north is level but rocky. The ship forced her way through the thin coast ice and came to anchor near enough to the shore to permit the landing of stores to be easily carried out. A more experienced leader might have had some doubts as to the security of the situations as a place for a ship to remain during the winter movements of the ice. With the bay open on two sides, it was scarcely possible for it to escape from the pressure of moving flows outside. But the opinion was held that the ice along the shores was strong enough to withstand any pressure from the open sea, and so the Stella Polare was allowed to become fixed in the ice close to the shore. Brief journeys along the coast and over the highest land which could be reached, Cape Haberman was found to be 2,900 feet high, effectually disposed of the claims of Peterman Land and King Oscar Land. There was no sign of either, and there is little doubt but that the explorers who believed they had discovered these lands were deceived by massive bodies of ice. The rectification of the maps to this extent was a valuable service. By September all their arrangements for spending the winter on the ship were completed, and with the material which would be required for the preliminary sledge expeditions to the north and the establishment of food depots all on shore, the explorers made merry on the evening of the 7th in discussing the achievements which would result from the working out of their plans. The difficulties which beset other explorers, often from the very commencement of their journeys, had not been experienced by them, and now, with their vessel almost as high to the north as any vessel had yet been, with their complete outfit at one of the most northerly stations yet established, and with everything snug and secure for the winter, it is not surprising that they should have allowed their enthusiasm to run away with them. It was the first time that Italy had entered into the contest of winning fame from the mysteries of the Arctic, and the outlook was so rosy that it almost appeared as if they were going to signalize the fact by carrying the flag to the pole itself and showing to the world that the all-conquering spirit of ancient Rome still animated the race. Men of colder temperaments, the sons of the cold-blooded North, would probably have postponed their rejoicings until the battle had been won. But the enthusiasm of the South needed more than the gloom of an approaching Arctic winter to subdue it. Wherefore the Arctic moved, and the children of the South learned in a few brief hours something of the power and might and majesty of the realms they had come to conquer. An ice floe, drifting in the sea beyond the bay, caught the edge of the shore ice in which the Stella Polare lay at rest as it passed. The shore ice groaned at the strain, and along its length there ran a ridge of hummock ice as the pressure sought relief. The line of the pressure passed through the spot where the Stella Polare was made fast. The hummock rose against her bows and forced her ninety feet away from where she had been, while at the same moment an increase in the pressure caught her by the sides, heeled her over, and cracked her timbers till those on board rushed to the deck under the belief that the vessel was about to collapse. The rigging of the foremast was torn away. The planks of the exposed side showed spaces of three inches between them, and water poured in so rapidly to the holds that it was feared the ship would go down. The hand-pumps were manned and worked, 
while the fires were lit as to get up steam and set the steam pumps going everyone else who was not required for these jobs working with might and main to get all stores and provisions out of the ship and onto the ice lest she went down and left them stranded and foodless the glamour of the evening before was as a dream the gloom of the present was a stern reality to which they had awakened the arctic was giving a characteristic and rugged greeting to the visitors from the south the stores were landed with the greatest rapidity the activity with which every one worked being still further stimulated by the news from below that the one hand pump which was being worked by four men could not keep the water back and that already it was almost touching the bars of the furnaces at one time it looked as though there would be no chance of saving the fires and had the water once reached them and so prevented steam being got up the plight of the explorers would have been critical in the extreme as it was the norwegian engineers worked like heroes and managed to have enough steam to start the steam pumps just as the water touched the fires in one of the boiler furnaces the steam pump assisting the hand pump was sufficient to keep the water from rising further but not enough to keep it back altogether neither the steam nor the hand pump by itself could prevent the water from rising both had to be kept going therefore although the number of men thus taken away from unloading stores and provisions made that work very much slower than was desired but if the water reached to the fires and put them out there seemed to be little chance of saving enough to keep the party alive during the winter so they worked on with a brave persistence italian and norwegian alike until they had all the stores out on the ice together with spars ropes sails and all other things needed for the construction of a shelter in which to pass the winter this was only completed after twenty-four hours of toil and when it was finished the worn-out party sought a brief respite in sleep as soon as the pumps ceased working the waters rose in the holds and over the furnace bars putting out the fires contrary to expectations the ship did not go down the ice being sufficiently strong enough to sustain it from sinking and the water stopped rising when it had covered the furnaces although the ship was now secure from sinking it was heeled over to such an extent that it was impossible to remain on board of it so a hut was erected ashore and the stores stacked round it for the winter for ten days the entire party labored at this work and when it was finished it was realized that all the plans for the preliminary sledge trips must be abandoned instead of giving attention to reaching the pole it was first of all necessary to see what could be done in the way of repairing the ship so as to be able to get away before a second winter could come upon them a close examination revealed the fact that the pressure of the ice had considerably affected the form of the ship the crankshaft was bent out of the strait and the heavy iron beams which had been put in to strengthen the vessel amidships were all bent and twisted the planks at the sides were started and gaped in many places the water which had got in had frozen so that the furnaces were covered by a sheet of solid ice well the same thing existed in the hold as the hand pump could not lower the water alone it was decided to use a boiler and pump which formed part of the balloon equipment 
although the use of these articles effectually terminated any hopes of balloon experiments it enabled them to get the water down sufficiently to permit repairs being effected from the beginning of october to the middle of november the repairs fully occupied them but they succeeded in making the ship watertight and available for departure when the winter had passed the bay by this time was frozen over sufficiently to preclude any fears of further nips occurring on november twentieth the last vestige of daylight went and thenceforward the explorers were in all the gloom of the arctic night a heavy snowstorm entirely covered the dog kennels so that the animals had to run loose for a time this was not satisfactory for those of the creatures which were unable to squeeze into shelter near the hut were frozen to the ice as they slept to overcome this big holes were dug in the ground and the dogs driven in and the entrances walled up but the arctic dog is a creature of resource and when the men in charge of them went in due time to feed them they found that the dogs had made an outlet for themselves by burrowing through the snow and were again at liberty a wall of biscuit tins was then built around inside of the holes and the entire mass frozen by pouring water over the tins but the dogs again burrowed their way out and they were then left to their own devices the holes being left open so that there should be some shelter available for the dogs if they liked to use it mostly they did not like preferring to squeeze in between the sides of the hut and the kitchen and contribute their share to the entertainment by occasional howling choruses during the long dark hours of winter during the long night the plans for the sledge expeditions to the north which had been so effectively interrupted by the nipping of the ship were further considered as the original scheme could no longer be carried out a modified plan was adopted under this it was determined to send out three parties which were to start about the middle of february and press forward towards the pole each party was to consist of three italians one was to carry provisions for thirty days the second for sixty days and the third for ninety days the second and third parties were to carry kayaks at the commencement of the expedition it was intended that the duke of abruzzi should lead the detachments as the head of the third party the one which should have the honor of proceeding the longest way but early in january he had two fingers of his right hand frostbitten so severely that the two top points had to be amputated this debarred him from taking his place at the head of the enterprise and he appointed captain cogney to lead in his stead as it first arranged the other parties were commanded the first by dr cavalli and the second by lieutenant quirini a fourth party was to follow the other three for a couple of days as an auxiliary so as to allow of a saving in the consumption of provisions carried by the others it was also arranged that twenty-five days after the start of the expedition those of the company who remained behind at teplitz bay should send a watch party to cape Fligely, in order to be ready to set out and meet and if necessary render any assistance which the returning members of the first detachment might require from the top of cape Fligely, a distance of eight miles could be seen over the ice to the north and a signal post erected on the cape 
would be visible as a guide to the returning explorers as they approached over the ice the watch party was to be on the cape again fifty-five days after the departure of the second detachment and eighty-five days after the departure of the third detachment the date of departure was ultimately fixed for the nineteenth of february the detachments when ready to start numbered in all twelve men with thirteen sledges drawn by one hundred and four dogs each sledge weighing with its load of provisions six hundred and seventeen pounds the weather at the time of the start was intensely cold there having been a gale blowing for some days before when all was ready for the march to begin the detachments set out after hearty farewells from those who remained behind and who watched them slowly pass out of sight over the ice and into the cold mysteries of the white region lying towards the north the camp at teplitz bay was strangely quiet after their departure the absence of the dogs no less than the absence of the men rendering the place lonely and deserted it was not expected that the auxiliary detachment would be back again for some days and it was with very great surprise that the duke of abruzzi while walking near the hut one day heard the sounds of dogs barking near at hand he hastened in the direction whence the sounds came and was astounded to see lieutenant Corini coming towards him immediately he came to the conclusion that disaster had overtaken the expedition soon after starting and that the lieutenant was the bearer of ill news if not the only survivor of the detachments the facts however were not quite so bad as this what had happened was that the cold had become so intense after leaving cape Flygely that not only the men but the dogs also suffered severely and were almost incapacitated the experience of a few days revealed many points where improvement could be made in the arrangement of the sledges and their loading and the commander realizing that only valuable time would be lost and perhaps the entire expedition jeopardized by pushing on under the circumstances decided to return to the main camp so as to overhaul the arrangements and reorganize the detachments in the light of their experiences by the time the detachments were again ready to start february had passed and march tenth had arrived the loss of time consequent on their return necessitated an alteration in the program of all the parties and when they set out the second time the order of march was for the first detachment to return after twelve days march the second in twenty-four and the third in thirty-six the detachments were also varied so that the main detachment should number four instead of three men a norwegian the engineer of the ship was included in the first detachment at his earnest request a norwegian the engineer of the ship was included in the first detachment at his earnest request the second start was made on sunday march eleventh and this time there was no turning back on march twenty eighth the duke of abruzzi went with the watch party to cape Flygely, and constructed a shelter wherein to remain in readiness to greet the first detachment on their return the date of which was expected to be april fourth on that date and for some days before an anxious watch was kept from the lookout point towards the north but no signs were seen of the returning explorers 
for a day or so this did not cause any grave anxiety as it was quite possible there might be a brief delay but as the days went by without a sign and the days grew into weeks there was serious uneasiness at the continued non-appearance of the men the time arrived when the second detachment was due and still the watchers saw no signs of the returning men uneasiness gave place to grave anxiety and the few who remained at the camp were beginning to wonder whether they alone would return home with the summer with only a tale of loss and disaster to bear to their country when a man of the second party reached the camp in a state of great exhaustion his story was that his detachment the second had parted with the third on march thirty first and had successfully negotiated the return journey up to april fifteenth when an open channel in the ice near the island had stopped their forward march for days they had sought a way round it but failing the leader had dispatched the man in the kayak to reach the watch party and summon assistance of a boat to convey the remainder over the channel the man had attempted to land at a point where the ice was some fifteen feet high but while he was testing it to see if he could clamber up the kayak slipped away from him and left him clinging with no hope of escape if he slipped into the water below he was one of the alpine guides and with his ice axe he managed to cut away up the ice to the summit though the struggle was a terrible strain on his strength and skill when at last he reached the summit he was met with a new difficulty he did not know where he was nor in which direction the camp lay he was without food or refreshment but he made his way to a higher point from whence he was fortunately able to see the top of the ship's mast showing over the ice this gave him the direction of the camp at Teplitz bay and he made his way thither with as much speed as he could when he arrived he had been battling his way for over twenty-four hours from the time he lost the kayak a feat of very great endurance in answer to anxious questions as to the first detachment he said he and all the rest believed the first detachment was in the camp for it had left the main body in time to reach cape Fligely by april second at the time it started back owing to the drift of the ice the island could be distinctly seen so that there could be no difficulty as to the men knowing which way to go moreover a change had been made in the command and the first detachment had left under the command of lieutenant quirini dr cavelli having been placed at the head of the second detachment owing to his showing greater staying powers on the march than the lieutenant as soon as the rest of the detachment had been conveyed from the ice pack to the camp dr cavelli corroborated the story and shared with the rest of the expedition the anxiety at the non-arrival of the little band his detachment he said had parted with the main party on thirty first of march and had seen captain Kanye and his companions continue their way north with a train of six sledges and forty-eight dogs the first detachment might he suggested have been carried away to the east as they had no kayak with them they might have been cut off by an open channel and so prevented from reaching the island relief parties were immediately sent out to search the ice in that direction and also to see whether the men had taken refuge on the island further to the northeast where nansen and johansen had passed their winter the search was continued until may tenth when the parties returned 
having searched far and wide but without finding any trace of the missing detachment it was then hoped they had made their way to cape flora where there was an abundance of food and other necessaries but when the stella polara touched there on her way home no signs were found of the missing men and it was then realized that they were lost how or when or where they had met their end no one could form any opinion a break in the ice may have precipitated them into a channel cold may have overcome them as they slept moving hummocks may have overwhelmed them or a sudden snowstorm may have caused them to lose their direction and have led them into dangers they were not able to escape when no trace could be found of them and no vestige of their outfit discovered on the ice or the islands there was only one thing the survivors could realize and that was that their comrades had gone out of the world in silence in mystery and in sacrifice to the knowledge of humanity as the month of may gradually passed the members of the expedition gathered at cape flygely so as to maintain a steady watch for the return of the main detachment in addition to the watch party there was also a party at teplitz bay and word was sent from one place to the other as the days went by while short journeys were constantly being taken along the shores on the lookout for the return of captain Kanye and his companions the provisions they had with them were only calculated to last until may twenty sixth but the leader had expressed his intention if he had not succeeded in reaching far enough to the north of proceeding on reduced rations so as to attain as high a latitude as possible before returning on the reduced scale they would be able to subsist until june tenth but when that date arrived and there was still no sign of them the remainder of the expedition became alarmed the silent disappearance of lieutenant Carini and his companions did not tend to alleviate their anxiety a week passed without any sign june twentieth came and went and the next two days saw the little community depressed and sad at what they regarded as the fatal silence on the twenty-third they barely exchanged words with one another lest they should add to each other's sorrow by expressing the almost hopeless fear that everyone felt on the evening of that day the watch party at cape flygely had retired to their shelter when they heard the barking of dogs hastily going outside they saw a man with a sledge advancing from the direction of teplitz bay they waited in silence for him to come up fearing he brought news of disaster but their fears were turned to joy when he shouted the news that the third detachment had safely returned to camp having penetrated as far as eighty six degrees thirty four minutes north and so established the farthest north record of any expedition yet dispatched to the arctic the story captain Kanye had to tell was one of persistent courage and determination the straits to which he and his companions were reduced were shown by the condition of their equipment they had a single sledge in a very damaged state a bottomless saucepan a broken cooking lamp and a ragged tent their dogs were reduced to seven the others having been killed to feed the survivors as well as the men on the return journey the drift of the ice had carried them to the west so that when they reached the latitude of teplitz bay they were many miles to the west of it the condition of the ice had compelled them to go still further away before they were able to turn and head direct for the camp 
from March 11th to April 24th. They marched steadily towards the north and covered something like 600 miles in 95 days. For the whole period of 104 days, they marched 753 miles. During the first stage of the journey, they maintained a speed of five miles a day, but during the second stage, they doubled that and covered on average 10 miles a day. From their experience, they argued it was impossible to reach the pole from any such base as that at Teplitz Bay, while dog sledges were the only available means of transport. With the return of this detachment, the work of the expedition was at an end. The vessel was freed from the ice after a little difficulty, and proving to be seaworthy, steamed out of the bay on August 14th. They arrived at Hammerfest without mishap on September 5th. End of section 15. Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio. InterfaceAudio.com.